When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Before we begin, I've got some big news. I have just written my first book, Happy Not Perfect, Upgrade Your Mind, Challenge Your Thoughts and Free Yourself from Anxiety. The book will teach you my easy flex method for more flexible thoughts that will help change your thinking to transform your life. You'll read about my own journey from stress, low self-esteem and negativity and how I was able to turn it around by learning how my mind worked from world leading experts like my podcast guests and understanding what would help my mind work better for me. If you've enjoyed my show, please pre-order the book in the link in the show notes. I can't wait for you to read it and start practicing a flexible mindset. If the parents are, for whatever reason, a little bit overburdened, if the parents have too many shortcomings, they don't have to be perfect, they just have to be good enough, then automatically the child takes the responsibility to get along with its parents. So they always take the shortcomings of their parents on their side. And these beliefs rule further on your way through life, your lifestyle, your, your perception, your feeling, your thinking and your behavior. Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. And this show is about upgrading our mind, our energy and our understanding of how we can live life to our fullest potential. Over the next few weeks, I'm interviewing thought leaders, scientists, nutritionists and experts to share tips and tricks for how we can shed the old and step into the new. I hope you join me on the journey. On today's show, we are diving deep into self-esteem and exploring the most important relationship we all have, the one with ourselves. My guest is Stephanie Stahl, the best-selling author who has published in over 29 countries and one of the most 
popular psychologists and trusted experts in Germany. She has sold over 2 million copies of her book, The Child in You, and has been number one on the best-selling list for over four years now. She advocates for everyone to develop their self-awareness and perception as the most powerful tool in improving all relationships in your life. What is a favorite quote you return to often and why? <laughs> I think my favorite quote is uh, from my father. And he often said, what use is a miserable life? <laughs> you should enjoy your life. So always when you're in a situation where you wonder whether maybe you should enjoy something or not, because mm -hmm -hmm, you can say to yourself, what uses a miserable life? So <laughs> you just, and that is then the decision for pleasure. What use is a miserable life? Yeah, it has zero benefits. I love that. <laughs> yeah. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently? My life is in a constant flow. I rarely have these big moments of lessons, you know, and um, what I've been learning the most over the lifespan, that is not one wow moment, but that is you shouldn't take things too much on your side. For example, it happens so often that people are craving for a certain partner, but this partner just doesn't want to commit. And often the, the other partner who urgently wants to have this partner who has a, a issue with fear of commitment, for example, they think the problem would be on their end, that they are just not good enough, not pretty enough, not whatever enough, you know, smart enough, whatever, and that they should improve to make this wanted person to commit. So they take the issue on their own part because of thinking I'm not enough instead of thinking he has some issues with mommy or, you know, he has some issues with commitment and that says, absolutely nothing about my own self-worth and my self-esteem. Because often we take things to our side and think we are not enough instead of thinking, okay, the other one has also a big, big part and big share in this problem, in the issues we, we, we are sharing together, you know? That is so true. We internalize everything to make it mean something about us rather yes. than even have that understanding that it could just be a problem them navigating themselves and within them, within their childhood, within their psyche. How do you define happiness? Happiness is, uh, is a very fluent state. You know, it's just it sometimes shows up. You can't really exercise for it. And um, happiness is just the bliss of the moment, you know, in the here and now. And sometimes, you know, it shows itself and then you, you have really to enjoy it, but you can't really work for it. What you can do is try to be what I call an elevated mood. And elevated mood, mood means that you are voting for life that you're not always against things, that you're not always in resistance to things that just happen. You know, for example, when you're in a traffic jam, 
you can become upset and bothered and it's really tedious, yes, and you have a bad time. But you could say also to yourself, well, I've chosen to buy a car, I've chosen to drive a car. And with this decision, I decided as well that it could happen to me that I get into a traffic jam. So I vote for the traffic jam. I'm not against it because actually it was my decision. And that is a way when, when you deal with life in this way, that you stick to your own decisions and say, yes, that is a part of life that I can get stuck in the traffic jam. I don't bother now because it is so, but I use the time maybe for to listen to nice music or make a little meditation or whatever. So you have always the choice in life, what you do with a situation that just come from the outside world. But in the end, it's a question of your inner attitude. And the more you practice this elevated mood, the more, yes, happier and more relaxed you will become. I really love that. Gosh, that can be applied to so many situations where we just get really stressed out for no reason when actually we've chosen that type of stress through yeah. our decision. And I love how that really encourages us to take responsibility rather than be a victim of the decisions that we have made. Yeah, exactly. So your book is brilliant. And then I started to read a bunch of articles that you've written. And there's one line that really stuck out for me. And you wrote, self-esteem is the epicenter of all our mental health problems. Yes. I just would love to ask you, what do you mean by this? everything boils down to your self-esteem. I think I start with the childhood imprints that we all receive during our upbringing because when we are born, our brain is only to 25% developed. And this is just about very, very basic functions like the regulation of hunger and satiety, for example, and all the other higher brain functions like our emotional system or our cognitive thinking and problem solving and so on, will be built within our upbringing. And what is very, very important about that, that our parents mirror us our self-esteem. So how our parents behave towards us signals the little child whether it is welcomed and whether the parents are happy that the child is there or whether the parents are a little bit overburdened and stressed. And a little child will never think mommy and daddy are stressed out. And maybe it wasn't such a good idea that they made the decision of becoming parents, but the child will always think, I'm not enough, I'm a burden, I'm too much here. So these programs, if it happens more often and often, it's not about that all parents, of course, are sometimes stressed and all parents make sometimes mistakes. It's just when it happens too often. And then these, all these imprints in the brain take happen and they will develop as mental patterns and the mental patterns come down to deep inner beliefs and the deep inner belief, which many people carry within themselves is, for example, I'm not enough. These deep-rooted beliefs, these mental programs that are imprinted and shaped within our brains are carried into adulthood like 
psychological programs. And if I have this basic belief, for example, I'm not enough, that is like a lens you look through to see the world. So, for example, if I'm meeting another person and I think I'm not enough, I'm running the risk, and that will often happen, that I think the other person is superior to me. But if I vision the other person as superior, then it's very close that the other person can be a danger to me, that it's threatening because he has the power, the other person has the power to downgrade me or to hurt me. And so many, many people are designing their own lives by living on the defensive. So they're not setting themselves goals and targets that they want to reach, but their only goal in life is not to get hurt and injured. So that these deep-rooted beliefs decide and determine our lifestyle. I call them the shadow child as a matter for the part of the brain imprints that were not so good with our parents. And there is no such a thing like perfect parents and a perfect childhood. So all parents have their little shortcomings. So everybody carries within, within himself a little shadow child that thinks it wouldn't be enough or it had to adapt to other people's needs all the time. So these beliefs have a big, big sway over your perception. And since your perception is a station, the basic station for all other psychological functions like the emotions, like thinking, like your behavior, it is really essential to care for your own childhood imprints. Because as long as you're not aware of your deeper beliefs and deeper imprints, these lenses just work and all these programs um, reel off automatically. Okay, so I have so many questions. First of all, can we change our imprints? Yes, we can. The first step is that you really get aware of your beliefs and imprints. These deep-rooted inner beliefs are the programming language of your self-esteem because your self-esteem is hard to grasp. You know, what is self-esteem? Self-esteem is, in the good case, a deep-rooted feeling that you're altogether okay or a deep-rooted feeling that you're not okay. But this um, wording, I'm okay or I'm not okay, um, I'm enough, I'm not enough, I have to function or I'm not important, these are the wordings, the programming language of your self-esteem. So the first step is think about how acted my parents towards me? Did I have the feeling that I was really welcome? Did I feel understood by my parents? Did they understand me most often? Was I allowed to have an own will? Which doesn't mean that they didn't set me any boundaries, but just the, the basic thing. Did they take me as I were? Or did I have to adapt very much to my parents' needs, because that is what actually happens. If parents are, for whatever reason, a little bit overburdened, um, then the child takes the responsibility to get along with his parents, because the child is 
utterly dependent on his parents emotionally and physically. So if the parents have too many shortcomings, they don't have to be perfect. They just have to be good enough. But if they are not good enough, then automatically the child takes the responsibility to get along with its parents. So they always take the shortcomings of their parents on their side. And that's how these beliefs come about. And these beliefs rule further on your way through life, your lifestyle, your, your perception, your feeling, your thinking, and your behavior. I have always this example with Michael in my book. Michael's parents were completely overburdened. They were running a bakery and had four children, so they couldn't give little Michael the attention care he needed. And he has this deep-rooted belief, I'm not enough and I'm not important. And as an adult, he's always prepared for rejection and to avoid this rejection because it gives him feelings of hurt and shame and all these negative feelings nobody wants to have. So he's always on the defensive. He always tries to do his very best to adapt to other people's needs, to be a good boy and so on, just not to be rejected again like he suffered from his parents. Do you think this plays out, for example, we see on social media and we see this like absolute need for all of us to feel like we have some sort of significance. And so I think there's this, you know, a huge burnout culture of people overworking to be able to feel some degree of success and really going down to this kind of, it comes actually driven by, you know, as you just said, like a drive for really from our insecurity of like not feeling attached. And we feel like we need that to feel safe. Yeah. And the driver is a good uh, keyword because these negative beliefs are also big drivers, you know, that motivate us to be successful. And like so often, it's not the craving for success or recognition, but it is the extent to which we are craving. You know, everybody, everybody, every human being has has this want to be recognized, but there are quite a few people overexerting in being recognized. And that is, for example, the um, premise for burnout, because people who are suffering from a burnout are all overadapted. You know, they want to meet people's needs and they, they want to get acknowledgement. And within trying, they don't feel their own boundaries anymore. That is an old program from childhood because if the parents are not able enough to meet their child's needs for attachment on the one hand side and for autonomy and independence on the other hand side, the child starts to overadapt to get along with its parents. And I, what I always say, it's much easier to renounce on chocolate ice cream if you have no longing for chocolate ice cream. So these children train themselves not to feel their own wishes and needs anymore because it's much easier to adapt if you have little, little own needs and wishes and desires. And in adulthood, therefore, they don't feel themselves that good. And that's what they often complain. Over-adapted people often say, actually, uh, often don't know myself what I really do want. And I have hard times to 
get a good connection to my feelings. And therefore, I have hard times to make a decision because if you're disconnected to your inner feelings, it's really hard to make any decisions because at the end, our feeling tells us in which direction we should go. Wow, it is, I think, so many people, you know, people pleasers. Um, it also seems to me, and maybe I'm being too gendered in this comment, but do women struggle with this maybe more than men? Or is that actually not what you found in your research? It is a very, very interesting question. They have different coping strategies. I earlier mentioned that one of our basic needs is this need for attachment. But the other very basic need is a need for autonomy and control. So women and men often choose different directions. Let's say a little girl and a little boy are both raised in a similar way and they had to over-adapt to their parents' needs to get along with them. Women are more prone to stay within this program. So still as adults, they over-adapt. Whereas men often unconsciously and unknowingly decide at a certain point in their life that they don't want to adapt anymore. It's unconscious. This is an unconscious decision. And they go more to the autonomy side, that they are more rebellious. But that means in the end that they don't want to fulfill expectations. And these are those guys where I always say, if you want them to put the flowers more on the left side of the table, they will put it on the right side, you know, because they always have to hear what people do expect from me to be against it. And these are the guys who are, who have often issues with commitment, commitment issues, because they have really hard times to deal with other people's expectations, whereas the over-adapted that stick to this program in the adulthood, try to meet everybody's expectation to get attachment and to be close to other people, the people that are more on the autonomy side um, have to show themselves and prove themselves all the time. I'm not that dependent anymore. Now, you know, I can do my own thing. I do exactly what I want. And therefore, they become too egoistic, but they, they don't know that they are ruled by this inner program and are therefore as dependent in the end as the over-adapted. Because if I always have to know what anybody wants me to do to make the decision that's exactly what I refuse to do, I'm as dependent <laughs> on the outer world and others, uh, other people's expectations as if I meet them right away, the, the expectations. So what is then the route to us going back to equilibrium? The, what is the route for us to healing potentially this inner child or intentionally creating the programming that we're living by now and be in less of a reaction to what we've been initially programmed by? Um, the most important, the most important is that you have to understand that your negative beliefs, this shaky self-esteem, don't belong to you, but to your parents. 
because these beliefs you gathered within your upbringing are completely arbitrary. For example, Michael, if his parents wouldn't have been so overburdened and have treated him more appropriately, he would have developed different beliefs. And that is really that sim simple. So the first very, very important step is that you get a clear idea of your upbringing and clear idea which beliefs you carrying within yourself and make just to yourself completely clear that these beliefs are arbitrary and actually belong to your parents. So you can even imagine that you take your beliefs out of yourself and give them back in a loving way to your parents because they only say something about your upbringing, but nothing and really nothing about your own worth. And then you have to create a little distance between your adult self. The adult self is another entity, um, mental entity, and the adult self refers to our clear thinking. The adult self is the seed of reason. So you switch from your shadow child with his negative beliefs, negative related feelings of, of shame, of inferiority, of sadness, whatever. You switch deliberately to your adult self. And from there, you can create a little distance to your former imprints. So what I call the Steffi Stahl mantra <laughs> is catch yourself and switch. So when you're aware that you carry this little shadow child within yourself with its beliefs and that is prone to meet everybody's expectations or just to rebel against this program and always striving for autonomy, you must be very aware in your daily life whenever you start channeling your shadow child. You can easily become aware by catching yourself by your feelings because the feelings that you suffer in your shadow child mode from, you know, anger, hurt, uh, shame, or whatever, slip much easier into your conscious mind than the belief systems. So as soon as you catch yourself that you feel, you know, that you have this shadow child feelings again, then you can catch yourself and say to yourself, careful, shadow child alarm, And then you can switch to your adult self. So you figuratively take a step aside and stand next to yourself and look to yourself from the outside. You know, you create this little distance be between the shadow child with old imprints, which belong to your past reality with your parents, but the shadow child imprints don't belong to your current reality as, a, as an adult. And with this switching to your adult self, you can create this little distance and look from the outside onto yourself. And for Michael example, from there, he could see that his girlfriend, Sarah, who sometimes forgets to do something what is important to him and which triggers his shadow child tremendously because that was exactly the program he suffered from his parents. So when he catches himself in his adult life and takes this 
step beside next to him, he can see, oh, Sarah is not mommy. And she has just forgotten whatever to buy a bag of my favorite chips. And that doesn't mean anything, but that Sarah is not perfect. And she sometimes can forget something like me too. But when he is identified with this shadow child and doesn't catch himself, then he thinks and feels if she forgets something that is important to him, oh, there it is again. I'm not important enough that she thinks about my uh, bag of chips. So she doesn't love me because these are the interpretations that we all do through our shadow child eyes uh, when we are channeling the shadow child that we interpret the world outside conforming to our deep-rooted beliefs. And if I have this deep-rooted belief I'm not enough, I'm easily prone to interpret other people's actions as an act that is confirming what I always knew about me, that I'm not enough. There again, you are with this mirrored self-esteem and how much your, your self-esteem and your self-image determines how you perceive the outside world. It is. It sounds like, you know, we often just farm out our needs onto other people, whereas this approach is taking so much self-responsibility and remaining in a curious mindset to constantly question what our automatic interpretation of other people's behavior and what that actually means. I feel with this work, it can stray, and I'm not sure if this has happened with clients, but can it evoke a lot of blame? And so people start blaming their parents when actually their parents were also conditioned and also just trying to do the best they can. How do you navigate this idea that some people may turn to blame? That is a very, very important question. Thank you for that. Because maybe um, some people even stay away from the shadow child work because they are still closely attached to their parents that they feel utterly uncomfortable to think about what they might have done wrong. And what I state is it's not about blaming your parents. It's just about to get an idea about your own imprints. Because if you never get a clear picture what imprints your brain received during your upbringing, you will be deeply identified to your old programs and you never get a clear idea of what you really are. And to decouple from your parents in a healthy manner doesn't mean that you don't love them anymore or that you don't see them anymore, but that it only means that you get this clear picture and that you dare to live your life along your own, your own ideas and your, your own values, you know. That's what it means to detach from your parents in a healthy manner. And that is very important because otherwise you live your life consciously or unconsciously along the expectations of your parents. And you are not born to live your life uh, to meet the expectations, whether of your parents nor of anybody, but to really um, find your own way and your own values and, you know, your own thing here to, to manage your life. And I also think this is an important point when we're looking into kind of inner child work is, you know, some people I think will assume just because they haven't had big trauma when, when they were little, they shouldn't have 
any problems with their childhood. So as a consequence, they can't, they almost have zero compassion for themselves. And actually, I think your work shows that it doesn't matter what your childhood was like, what you experienced, big trauma or little trauma, it has an impact on your behavior now. Absolutely. Our brains are highly adaptive. You know, they have to adapt to the outside world. And that is the reason why they're not fully shaped when we are born. Because when we are born, we find a certain environment outside and we have to adapt to this environment. So everybody, every everybody has these imprints. And it's always uh, important and very interesting to look what are my imprints. Even if you have had a very, very happy childhood and mommy and daddy were almost perfect, then you're running the risk to be a little bit too naive, you know, and to gullible because you think maybe the world outside is as nice as mommy and daddy were. So you also have, you, you know, learning experiences by this happy childhood. And in terms of, you know, I'm sure there's parents listening to this going, okay, well, I'm a parent now and I have children. Yeah. What on earth can I do to help my child have healthy programming so it's going to help them later on in life? Yeah, parents need to be aware of their own childhood imprints, yes. For example, let's say you were raised by neglecting and loveless parents, and now your parents for yourself, you have three possibilities. The first one is that you act almost the same towards your children as your parents treated you. Or maybe a little bit better, maybe you're already the 2.0 version of your own parents, but still you're too far away from being a loving, caring parent. But you maybe think you would be perfectly okay in comparison to your own parents because you have internalized the wrong norms. The second is you might overcompensate your own childhood experience by overprotecting, indulging your child too much. And the third, and that is my answer to your question, is you should reflect on your own experiences and do it the right way. So take your time, you know, and think what were the role models of my parents, what were my imprints, and where are possibly my challenges as a parent and where are my strong sides, you know, where I'm because I'm ra was raised in that way, uh, a very good parent because everybody, you know, has, when it comes to parenting, has its challenges, but also has strengths and resources. So just think about what your imprints are that you don't just pass them down in a very unreflected way to your children. So we've, Obviously, we've dug really deep into child's programming, which is actually deeply empowering to recognize your own. How does this then help a good relationship develop? Why is understanding the child in you and why is that so important when it comes to then our actual own romantic relationships moving forward? As a psychologist, I am very, very interested in the basic structures, how our psyche is built up and all people all over the world have the same psychological structures and individuality is just a variation of the basic structure. And one of these most important structures is that we 
project our own imprints, i.e., our shadow child, on our partner. Like Michael, you know, he has this basic feeling of being not enough and being not important, and he's often projecting this basic feeling onto Sarah, his girlfriend. So Sarah is often lost because when Michael is running within his shadow child projections, she can do whatever she wants, you know, because Michael sees something in Sarah what she actually is not. Unconsciously, he figures in Sarah his own mother, so she's on a lost position, and Sarah herself has also a shadow child, and her parents were very caring but very strict. They had very clear ideas of what is good and what is wrong. So her shadow child also often thinks, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I, I can't do it right. So they so often start fighting and have these misunderstandings. And But if they would see clear, oh, it's not about Michael, oh, it's not about Sarah, it's actually about our shadow child, then they would be on such a different level of their relationship. I know from so many people who started work with a shadow child that they really healed and detangled their relationships in such a healthy way. And what I didn't mention now at all in this interview, it's not all about the shadow child, but it's also about the sun child. I invented, you know, I work with three psychological entities, the shadow child that represents our negative imprints, the inner adult that represents our clear thinking, and the sun child that represents our healthy and strong side, and most importantly, that represents all the things we can create now newly as we are adults, you know, we can come to new beliefs, new attitudes, new behavior, and so on. So within the sunshine, we get a very, very clear target state because it's hard to let go your shadow child because that was until now your identity if you don't have something else to identify with, you know. If I don't believe anymore, I'm not enough. What else should I believe? You know, you need something like a target vision, a clear vision of your healthy self, of your healthy and authentic self. And that is uh, what the sun child stands for. So, and my approach is very, very pragmatical and hands-on. And that is, I think, the reason why it helps so many people and why this book is so successful. Because I take the readers by the hand and help them to discover the shadow child and then I help them to strengthen their adult eye and then I lead them to develop their sun child and that really helps many people and many people heal themselves, cure themselves and their relationship with this approach. Yes, I was just, um, the sun child, just the sound of it, it sounds so glorious and so <laughs> and something I think we all kind of deeply crave um, to be in your book is absolutely magical uh, you know as as you just said it wouldn't be on the best sellers list for four years if it didn't have profound therapeutic impact so before we go would you mind offering a few tips for us to start to just think about the sun child and how we nurture that sun child forward thinking steps or forward thinking view towards it. The first 
you identify your core beliefs within your shadow child. And then in the sun child, you think about how you could change them. For example, Michael could think instead, I'm not enough. I'm enough as a new belief. And if this new belief, if he feels a strong resistance towards it, maybe it could help for him to say, I'm enough for my friend or I'm enough for my boss or I'm enough for my children. So it is very important that your new beliefs um, find the acceptance at least of your adult self. And then you think about your strengths and your resources that you have in life. And then you come from self-protection strategies like over-adjusting to self-reflection strategies. That means, for example, to open up your mouth and talk to people, to start to be become more connected to your feelings. So you make a plain um, picture of the shadow child Uh, of the sun child and you paint it down in beautiful colors as you paint down the shadow child as well because I work a lot with visualizations is this the right word visualizations yeah, yeah. It's a little bit chewy for my German tongue <laughs> 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 and then what is most important to load down your new beliefs your new behavior these new feelings into your feeling you know so a very nice and easy exercise is that you think about where you perform your sunshine anyway. For example, for Michael, he is very, very relaxed when he's hanging out with his best friend, Tom. There he feels accepted. With Tom, he feels authentic. So you just imagine for yourself a situation where you already experience your sunshine. For some people, it's a day on the seaside or when they're hiking in the mountains. So, And you dive really into this picture. For example, Michael dives with his imagination into the picture that he's hiking in the mountains with Tom because this is a place and next to Tom he, where he feels utterly relaxed and secure and good and healthy and strong. And then he can imagine himself standing on the mountaintop overlooking a beautiful landscape. And he can imagine Tom is standing right behind him and puts his hand on his shoulders and says in a very warm, nice way, you are enough, you are important. So you let a beloved person, it can also be a imaginary figure like Superman or a nice fairy mother or whatever. Anyway, another person stands behind you and makes you feel safe and good and tells you in a very warm and, and loving voice your new beliefs with, into your ear. You know, that is a little exercise with your imagination really to um, entrench the sun child and you believes within your feelings. And the more often you exercise these imaginary um, journeys, you know, um, the more new synapses will be built in your brain. And because our brain is able to learn new things, but this is just a little exercise. In my book, I do a lot that people can go come to the sunshine and how to really exercise the self-reflection strategies in life and so on. So it's a lot of, lot of self-help work. 
it's really only about the central theme. You know, you have to get the gist out of your own personal story. You don't really have to work through all the injuries you have suffered and all the bad things because in contrary, if you work through and through it again, your pathways within your brain are becoming broader and broader. But if you have what I always, in German, in German we have the saying, the red thread, in, in English, I mean, it's the central theme. Yet then you can work perfectly with it. And I know from so many, many, many people and readers, it doesn't take a life because this is also a belief that changement is, takes a long time to get rid of all imprint takes a long time. No, it's not true. For people who are really engaged and really take the responsibility for themselves, it sometimes only takes weeks or months to get rid of the old programs. Again, that is such an important point. I'm so glad you included that because I, I totally agree. It's a myth that this can take a lifetime and with the right work, our beliefs can change. Where um, I'll put all the details in the show notes, so links to your book, but is there anywhere on social media or on the internet that people can ask questions or find you? Yes, sure. I have an English uh, website, stephaniestahl.com, and there my concept is shown. I have a questionnaire for which uh, relationship type you are. There are information about me. There are information about my books and everything. stephaniestahl.com. Fantastic. I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you again. This has been completely brilliant. Thank you, Poppy. Thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss. Download Happy Not Perfect, my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes. It's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs. Sending lots of love and energy. See you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.